Well, good morning, church. How are y'all today? I think they'll give me some light here in a minute. There we go. We've got an awesome team back there. I'm so grateful for them. And um, one of these days, it's going to happen. Y'all just pray for them. Many of, a couple of them have to listen to me preach three times a day, so just keep them in mind. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, I'm Rick Ivey. I'm the senior pastor here, and we are glad that you are with us this morning. And I know we probably have a few that stayed up all night to watch the Astros finish it out. Uh, and some of y'all made it to church still. And, yep, yep, that was great. Eight to one. That, was, that looked good. I think they're just doing it so we can sell more tickets in the World Series, but that's just me personally. So, uh, And then um, we've uh, got a number of things coming up, and I hope you'll be a part of them. But we're doing this series called Practice Makes Perfect, and looking at how do we practice our faith. Uh, we live in an age and a time where uh, information is so easy to get. Um, you don't have to own every book in order to gain information. Uh, we have got such a great gift in the internet and so much is out there. And then on top of that, um, we are a people who have been given lessons upon lessons on the Bible. And so we, we are gifted in so many ways. Uh, so how do we practice it? Because information alone, knowledge alone doesn't transform our lives, doesn't help us to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. It's in the practice. You know, that's the special sauce of growing as a disciple is practicing, putting it into practice, whether that's in our prayers, in our worship, in our uh, service to other people. Uh, we grow and we develop and we gain an understanding of the, the greatness of God and the greatness of God's riches as we put it into practice. And today we're looking at a, uh, another passage in the book of 2 Corinthians. And this is one of the letters that Paul wrote. And in this particular passage, he is talking about the practicing, practice of, of giving. And um, many people don't like that topic, but it's an important one. And in this particular passage, Paul, like we talked about last week, is encouraging a group of early Christians to make a generous gift. And generous uh, may not seem like a large sum of money to you today, but um, the generosity was based on what they were able to give, not on the the amount, but rather their heart and um, the percentage by which they were giving. You know, Paul told them, even if you have little, then give what you can, right? Um, and so he speaks to them and he says, that's the gift, that's what I want you to do. And he encourages them to make a gift to a church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's many miles away. Jerusalem is mainly people who are from the Jewish faith that have become Christian. That church there and then uh, the people that are giving the gift are Gentiles. Uh, they didn't grow up Jewish. They didn't always understand the Jewish faith. They didn't always get along with them. And yet Paul is saying, I want you to give this gift. I want you to give it to them as a church so that they can thrive and so that they can prosper. And Paul talks about not only the, the need for the gift, but he goes on to explain it. And he does it in a beautiful way. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Or you can bring it up on your phone, however you want to do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we will look at uh, verse 10. That's where we'll start. And Paul writes to them, and he says, The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply 
your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Your ministry of this service to God's people isn't only fully meeting their needs, but it also multiplying in many expressions and thanksgivings of God. So that's the passage we'll look at. And in it, Paul talks about, well, how does the gospel get multiplied? How does the good news of Jesus Christ multiply? How does generosity multiply? And um, I was thinking about that this week uh, because um, earlier this week, I heard a speech in which the speaker was talking about the reality of churches in our country today. And um, he shared with us, he said, you know, the Methodist church is in decline. There's Methodist churches closing uh, almost every month now. And, um, and he said, basically, you know, we can look for that to continue. And it was kind of a doom and gloom kind of situation. And I was uh, talking with Matt not too long ago about the same kind of issue. And I told him, you know, the thing is, for 25 years, I've heard people tell me the Methodist church was going to close and I'm still here. It is not going anywhere. And even if the Methodist Church as a denomination changes, what have you, what is certainly not going anywhere is the mission of Jesus Christ. That no matter what the state or the condition of the church, the mission that is there is always going to exist until Christ returns. That wonderful mission of go make disciples, y'all know this, baptize them, Teach them to obey everything I've taught you, and I will be with you all the end of the days. I mean, that's, that's the promise, and that's the mission of Jesus Christ, to make disciples. And I think it's a beautiful mission, and I think it's the absolute best one. There are many great causes out there, but when it comes down to it, there's nothing that I would rather support and be a part of than helping people become disciples of Jesus Christ, to be apprentices, followers, people who look to Him as the example and the lead and the guide of their life, there's nothing more important to me in my mind of that. Because not only does it create people who are loving, forgiving, and generous, uh, but it also continues to expand and to multiply the ways that God is showing grace to the world. If you don't know it or not, Christians are by far the most generous and giving people in the world. They outgive all other religions, they outserve them. They outdo everything. When it comes down to making a difference in the world, Christians are still the absolute best at that. And they will continue to be. And how could they not be when we are a people who are shaped and formed and led by somebody who gave his life for the salvation of the world? I mean, that's who we are. And when I think about all the good things that are out there, all the ways that we can help the world, there's none that compare to this mission of helping people know who Jesus is and learn to follow them. I think that is so important. Now, y'all are good at it. I applaud you. I am thankful for you. You are good at this particular mission. This past week, when I was talking with other people that are pastors and churches, um, they just kept on agreeing with the guy that was speaking. He's like, we're in decline, we can't get ahead, we can't do anything, the world's changed, nobody likes church anymore, nobody likes Jesus. And I was like, let me introduce you to Wesley. They are good at it. 
They have a growing children's ministry, a student ministry that is just one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, we are going to have new small groups and new Sunday school classes in the fall, in the spring, or let's call it January. We'll have it then. And um, we continue to see that our people are the ones that are in the community making a huge difference. And further on down the line, I mean, we're in the right place. This location where we are put is fantastic. I applaud whoever picked this property and got it done, did it so well. And you're debt-free. You owe nothing to anybody financially. That is amazing. I've been a part of churches that are in debt. They hate it. Y'all should be thankful. I think once a month we should just say that. God, thank you for making us debt-free <laughs> as a people. It is huge. Uh, and all along the way, your worship services are growing in attendance. Uh, you are seeing great things happen all throughout what we do as a church. And so when you think then one that does not have enough, an area that does not have enough, and, and I think clearly we are a church that has more than enough to make a huge difference in the future. And so let's look at what Paul says about generosity. He writes and he says, The one who supplies need for the planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. And Paul has a different way of looking at the world. He believes in God. He believes in what God is graciously doing in our world. And he says it's, it's from God that we receive seed, we receive rain, we receive food. The one that supplies the crop, he's the one that continues to give into our lives. And um, he talks about that. He says, and he will multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. And so God is the one who supplies. God is the one that multiplies. In my experience, that's a huge difference in life. I mean, do you understand God as one who has provided you much? At the very core of who we are, we are a people, as a Christian people, who have received much. We received the gift of Jesus Christ, God's only Son, for the salvation of our world. And if um, you have not received that, you know, just recognize God is graciously offering you that gift for salvation freely without cost. And that that's one way of looking at the world. The other way of looking at the world is to say, the, everything that I have, I've earned with my own two hands and the sweat of my brow. There's two big ways that I see people look at the world. Either one, they look at life as a gift that they have received generously, and as a result, they generously give back, or they look at their life as everything I have, I've earned on my own, nobody's done anything for me, and um, I have never received anything that I did not earn. And the other way, the Christian way, is to say we are recipients of grace upon grace upon grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness that we did not deserve, and in response, we thank God. Now for me, as I think about my faith journey, I was baptized as an infant at Bel Air United Methodist Church over in Houston. And um, when I was an infant, uh, my mom carried me down the aisle. I was probably sprinkled, and um, I was presented to the church. And you remember baptisms in this church as well back then? 
That means that that pastor at the time said, hey, will you do everything you can to support this child to become a Christian? And they all agreed. And at that time, as an infant, I couldn't pay for that, right? My mom was part of a church that was provided for her and that she contributed to. And all along the way in my faith journey, not only did that church keep its promise, but the other churches I grew up in kept that promise as well. It means that when I went to Sunday school class, I didn't have to pay for my lemon cookies and orange drink, right? It was given freely. Um, I didn't have to pay to go to youth ministry when I was going through high school. But all those things were given and, and offered to me. I mean, if you think about it from the government side of things, I went to public school, never paid anything for it. I mean, over and over again, I look at my life, and I have been given much. But most importantly is that gift of salvation. And Paul says that. He says, this is who we are. We are a people who believe that God is the one who provides the seed and the crop and who will multiply these thanksgivings. He says, we will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. Now, um, as I thought about that, I couldn't resist. I went and got a pumpkin, you know, multiplying seeds. And um, this, this will be available for purchase after the 1030 service, if you still need one. There's still some great ones out there. And, uh, and I thought about it. I thought, you know, it is just flat out amazing. This grew from one seed, right? And then if you cut it open and you work around all the ooky gooey pumpkin stuff, right? What's inside of this? Even more seeds. And within that one seed that grew this pumpkin are enough seeds to grow an entire field and beyond of pumpkins, right? Just on the basis of one seed, one, one thing is multiplied by God. And um, I was fascinated by that. It, you know, it happens so much in life, the way things multiply and grow. Uh, there was a guy named Fibonacci, an Italian mathematician, who at one point in ancient times was asked the question of, if you just had a, a mating pair of rabbits, how many rabbits would that produce in a year? And he worked out an equation. He had to go and get rid of the Roman numerals that he was working with. Can you imagine trying to add things up? I plus I plus I-I-I plus I-V, you know. And uh, he got the Arabic, Arabic numerals and brought those over, and he said, Here, here's how you do it. And he gave the sequence and best estimates so that you're not having to go to your phone. 50, 50 rabbits in a year, assuming they all live, right? About 50. How many in two years? Thousands. If they're all fed, taken care of, loved on, and not hunted, right? Whatever. I mean, thousands from just the work of a few. In the same way, when Paul is describing his gift and what it's going to do, he's saying it's, it's going to multiply, it's going to grow. Your thanks of what Jesus Christ has done is multiplied into the thanks of thousands and thousands as the good news of Jesus Christ is shared. Your thanks when you pray and you give and you serve is multiplied into the thousands and beyond into the life that we're a part of. Isn't that amazing what God can do? And then to finish it out, um, when he finishes out the passage, he says, 
Your ministry of this service to God's people isn't only fully meeting their needs, but it's also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. And the, the word that's there, ministry of service, is a fun one. It has a double ring to it, a double meaning. It is uh, like liturgy, and it's basically the work of the people. And it's saying your, your work as a people, your worship, how you worship, and how you serve is going to be multiplied in the world around you. Now, your, your praise on Sunday morning, your service on Monday morning, however you do it, is multiplied over time in amazing and profound ways. And as I thought about you as a people and, and uh, who you are, like I said, you're amazingly generous. You're, you're a powerful church. You're a wonderful church. I love to see what God is doing in it. And, um, and thinking about the future as a congregation, one of the things that, that I think is true as you look for the upcoming years as a congregation in the next five years or so, one of the things that I think that we as a people ought to be about is working toward growing other churches. I think that because of who we are, the strength that we have, and the people that we have, one of the things that we should be doing is looking beyond our walls and our location and asking the question of how can we help other churches grow? And that could be that in five years we make a donation, a gift, that helps start another church somewhere in another place. It could be that along with that gift, we send some people who relocate, who become leaders in that new church. Or it could be that we look around us and we say some of the other churches in our area are in need of help. How can we help them become strong? I think that's just part of who you are as a church. And as you look to the future, I think that means that we continue to look as a leadership group and as a people, you as a people, and ask the simple question of how can we make that happen? How could we be in a place five years from now where we can be unbelievably generous and help get new churches off the ground? I think that's who we are as a people. And so as we move forward, that's one of the things I'm going to have in mind. As we look forward five years from now, that's something I want to really see happen. Hope you do too. A little closer in, as we look at two to three years from now, one to two years, I think one of the things we've got to work at is to develop more leaders. We need to develop more leaders as a church. And when I think about leaders, I'm thinking about not only people who can go out and address community needs to help the least of these, poor, imprisoned, sick, homeless, we send leaders that can make a difference in those situations. But also, I mean, we need leaders to lead kids in Sunday school. We need leaders who can help our students. All along the way, I think that's key to who we need to be. Get some younger ones, get some new ones, because we're never going to outgrow a need for more of them. I mean, even if we send them off to be missionaries. Whatever the case might be, we're going to need even more. And as I began to think about the question of how do we grow more leaders, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was, well, is that a class? Like you build a class of leadership? Certainly not a committee. <laughs> but probably not a class. And if you look at the Bible way of doing things, it's more about apprenticeship. Jesus always sent them out two, 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 two by two, two people at a time. Always, when he was working together, he talks about people like Timothy, Barnabas, Titus, 
people that he was mentoring and shepherding. And that's not just a pastor thing. That's everybody here. Whatever thing that you lead, your ministry, your area of life, how could you bring somebody alongside you so they could see how it's done and how they can help? So I think in the next couple of years, that's something we had to focus on as a church. And then in the immediate, sometime, next two to three years, one of the things that I think has to happen is we need to remodel our education building. This building that we're in, from the gym all the way down to the end of the sanctuary, needs to be redone. It's outdated. It's gotten a lot of use. It gets used every week. You would be amazed by the number of people that go through here every week. From our day school, to our Sunday school, to our Sunday school classes, to AA, to group after group after group, it is used a whole lot. And I really would love to see that remodeled, updated, brought around to a time that we're in right now, and um, have it be a place where kids feel excited and welcome to learn about who Christ is. So those are the things that I'm looking at. I hope and pray that you will give some thought to how you're going to be a part of that. And um, just to know, even if it's in a small way, even if in five years you've given a small donation, even if in two to three years you've worked to nurture or encourage a leader to be a part of what they're doing, or, or however it is, I just want you to know that whatever it is, it will be multiplied by God. And today, you have a way to faithfully step out and see what God can do. What does Paul say about generosity? It brings about thanks in others, changes the world around you. And to do that, uh, one of the things that you can do today is to fill out one of the cards. The ushers are going to distribute the cards. I'm not seeing them moving, so uh, there we go. The ushers are going to distribute the cards, and if you've been around, you've done those before, but what we need from you on the card is your estimated giving for next year. And um, if you're new to the church, inevitably when we do this, we have somebody who visits, so you can just say, I'll pray for you. Or hello, Haley, hope you're doing well. She's our financial secretary. She's the only one that reads these things. And so, uh, but a lot of times people say, how much should I give? And um, my experience and what, what I've done in my life is that I started with giving very little and have worked my way to giving 10% of my income and beyond, which means that everything I receive in my paycheck any gifts, any windfalls, 10% of that comes back to the church, at least 10%. And that, that is our understanding of how things work. And when Paul talks about what you plant today will multiply in the future, you just have to try it to believe it. You know, you just have to try that and see what God can do. And so when you're filling out your pledge, either you are